Hello and welcome to the Let's Talk Azure podcast with your hosts, Sam Foote and Alan Armstrong. If you're new here, we're a pair of Azure and Office 365 focused IT security professionals. Each episode, we talk about a specific topic in the space. This week, it's episode 13 of season three. We're going to have a chat around Azure static web applications. Part of the Azure app service, static web apps allows developers to deploy static web applications in conjunction with serverless function applications, utilizing a modern development tooling and hosting support. Hey, Alan, uh, how, how are you doing this week? Hey, Sam, not doing too bad. Been up in the office today, meeting the uh, doing some stuff with the team. So it's been a bit of, bit of a different week for me. Yeah, same here. Yeah, it's 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 interesting um, working remotely and then actually <laughs> uh, visiting <laughs> the office. Right, um, it's definitely it, it's it's nice to do, um, and I I really do like the interaction. Um, so it is it is great that we're we, we do get time um, to see the rest of the team. Yeah, it's not too bad for us, is it? Because it's um, only a couple of hours on the train direct. So um, yeah, it's not too bad. Uh, yeah, it's been good. No, good to meet, the, catch up with the team again. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah, one hundred percent. So, Alan, um, what are we talking about this week? I believe it is Azure Static Web Applications. I've never, I've heard of them, but I've never used them. So, um, <laughs> I think you might have to uh, help us with uh, with this this episode. <laughs> so, what it might be good to do, actually, Alan, and I'm not. Um, calling this out in a negative way if there's anything that i say that you don't understand get me to explain it in depth if that makes sense because i'm going to use acronyms i'm going to talk about developerish <laughs> types of things and i would like i would like maybe even potentially non-developers to actually be able to follow through and not fall asleep if if that makes sense like i'm talking a different language so um let, let's let's get started then yeah. Okay. Then. So. Um, so. Sam, give us an, an overview of static web apps, because you know, as I said, I have no idea. I briefly know what they are, but never used them. Okay. So, static web applications, or yeah, static, um, static websites as well, um, is a more modern way of developing web applications. So traditionally, what you'd have is you'd um, let's talk about it in the Microsoft world, you would use something like um, ASP.NET um, um, to build a um, a tightly coupled web application. And what that basically means is you write your, what we call backend code, and that is like your business logic. So, you know, um, adding and retrieving things from a database that people are storing. Um, and then what you traditionally used to do is when you rendered that out into the web browser, um, you would render out like the HTML from the server side. So the server would then go, here's your HTML to the front end, right? So what you would get as a user is you would get like static HTML, but it was rendered server side, um, basically. Um, then what, what really happened was, is that we had a front-end development became a lot more mature. Like our front-end interactions became a lot more complex. And what sort of started to happen over time is is, is front-end and back-end development sort of shifted. 
Um, and what we then had is we then had front end developers needing to understand to be a full stack developer. And a full stack developer is somebody that can do back end and front end development. Um, so what, what we had is we had struggles with front end development because people that were more focused on HTML, CSS, and JavaScript had to know all of this other tooling in order to, you know, make their applications work. Now, in very small development teams, full stack developers work really well. If you're a startup, it's great that one person can do everything. Um, but when you're a larger organization, you sometimes need to split out those technologies amongst people. So that's where we got front end and back end development from. That's a really oversimplification, but you know, just so. But what then happened was, is because front end development got so much more advanced, we started to see what's called single page applications static static web applications so things technologies like um, angular um, react um, vue.js came along and they basically said what we'll do is we'll start to move as much business logic into the front end so we'll run business logic in javascript then run it on the server what that meant was is that you as long as the the data was there you could you could present it in whichever way you wanted because you completely controlled like the user experience in the app. We've kind of gone a bit full circle now because actually the truly up to date way is to do like uh, React server side driven because there's a penalty to running so much Java in the JavaScript in the browser. Your first time to load is 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 slower. Um, there's, there's many different reasons too. So. But in in this scenario, I'm just going to talk about you know uh, single page applications, SPA, um, static web applications. Um, there's also another type which is like static websites. So for instance, if you um, if you've got a blog or a website, one way to drive it now is not through using say a content management system. It's by using a static web uh, static site generator like uh, Jekyll, Hugo. Um, Gatsby JS. Um, there's there's many of them. What you effectively do is you write your blog posts in something like Markdown, which is like a um, a a way to mark up text so that you can actually put styling into it. You run it through a generator. It gives you a bunch of like static HTML files, and that's your website. If you want to update and add a new blog post, you don't go into your content management system like your, 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 your traditional WordPresses. You go in and add another markdown file. You commit it to your source control and it gets deployed automatically for you. So you've got static web apps and static websites that require very different hosting uh, requirements because effectively all they are is just a bunch of static generated HTML, CSS, and JavaScript files and images. You've not got, from a front-end perspective, like what the actual user consumes, you've not got a direct reliance on a back-end system. Um, you can have a reliance on a back-end system, and we'll talk about integrations with back-end systems as well. Um, but for instance, if you created a blog site for yourself, you wouldn't need to call back to get your list of blog posts. They're just like static files that are generated. So effectively, all we need is like a bucket in order to be able to store our website in. And tr like, you know, originally, like Amazon S3 buckets, you know, Amazon just added a, an ability to turn an S3 bucket into a, uh, a website. 
which effectively just serves served index.html to people. And you could upload files to S3 and you could display them uh, automatically. Um, Azure storage accounts, they've got exactly the same functionality and they still have them today. You can create a blob storage account, turn it into a website and host your host your files there. Um, but, but as the requirements have got a bit and, and more sort of um, larger organizations, enterprises have started to use these toolings, you have to wrap around like better. Um, you can't just, you know, because a storage account... You know, it doesn't have a CDN. It doesn't have authentication. You know, there's many different things you have to set up if you run it in that manual way. Very cheap to run a host a website in that because you host your files, which are like maybe 10 megabytes or something like that. And then you just pay for serving of those HTML files. Like, a you know, but there's no like brain, like processing business logic there. Um, So... So Azure Static Web Apps sort of takes that a step further. Um, what it allows you to do is it allows you to host those stat- static content, those HTML, CSS, JavaScript, and images. Um, but what it does is it layers on. Well, what this is what Microsoft's great at is sort of integrating different um, you know services together. Like for instance, you can integrate an API um, provided by Azure Functions into it. Um, you've got a sort of a first-class integration between GitHub and Azure DevOps um, so that you can trigger changes to your website based on your code changing. You've got things like globally distributed CDN so that you can, if, you know, if, um, if your bucket is based in the UK, but you've got users in, let's say, India, they would have to connect back to UK, the UK to get the content every time. A CDN allows you to put that content on a global network, a content delivery network. So after the first user in India has accessed your content, it's then in their local, um, it's got a pop instance, which is like the local server that it's uh, available in. So anybody else in India can then access um, it, I call it locally from India. So setting a CDN up or integrating with another CDN provider is, is not a simple task you know um, and managing the life cycle of you know your files across the cdn is is actually a job in itself in, in some respects um ssl certificates you know if you are hosting something yourself you might need to you know generate your own ssl certificates maybe use like a a newer sort of service like um let's encrypt um or, or something like that to get yourself free ssl certificates um Azure, fun- uh, Azure Static Web Apps has got you covered there um, with free um, SSL certificates, which are automatically renewed for you. So you don't have to do anything. And because we're developers, we're lazy. So, you know, we love to automate these things. That's, you know, um, you can apply custom domains. So like you would with any other service, you know, if you want uh, www.abc.co.uk to be pointed at your, your web application, um, you can do that um, straight in there. Um there's a security layer in front of Azure Web Application uh, Static Web Apps, so there is a, a reverse proxy um, in in front of it, so you can um, so you've got a level of protection um, there against the the outside world. Um, integrations with um, authentication providers, so Azure Active Directory, it's got a native integration, uh, GitHub, um, Twitter. So different, um, you know, open authentication systems are actually baked in uh, to it um, themselves. So 
traditionally you might actually write the logic to app uh, to authenticate against a third party um, identity uh, platform actually in your code yourself. Now Microsoft's like send your user to this screen, we'll authenticate them for you, and then once they're authenticated, we'll send them back um, with 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 the response of that authentication, and you can just pick that up and use it your side. So as a developer, like starting up a new authenticated app, that is like you know. 101 that's the first thing that you go through and if you've ever built a if you've ever built an authentication mechanism through something like react there is about 50,000 ways to do it and very few people are opinionated in a good way in order to do it so microsoft taking that off your hands as a developer that's a really really powerful thing i guess i guess as well with that they are updating that authentication code and everything as and as and when you know the azure ad you know upgrades itself and things like that's so all you get is the the response back every time maybe with some extra functionality there but generally you haven't got to try and keep it up to date yep exactly it's completely managed for you and there are other third-party systems that do this you know um that there's other there's other people that have wrapped around all these different identity providers you know, and, and it gives you the ability to do that. Um, but it's not usually in, um, completely integrated with your development environment, your hosting environment. That is, you know, there are some out there, but it's, you know, it, it, it's not that common, if that makes sense. You know, there's point solutions to do all these things, I think is the best uh, way to put it. But Microsoft is as Microsoft is very good at wrapping a lot of things um, together. Um, it manages your routing inside of your application. So routing in a static web application is a bit uh, different, let's say, um, because you traditionally have to define like the routes or the web, the web pages in your, that where people can navigate to actually in the application itself. Um, so you can actually build routing rules um, directly into uh, static web apps. Last couple of bits that I think are really powerful is um, you can create staging versions. So as you deploy new code, um, it can build that new code and push it into a staging environment for you. And um, that is massively powerful because as you're going through your QA cycle, you know, um, you don't want to just make your changes and deploy them straight to production. You know, well, it depends how rapid you want to be, I suppose. But it would make a lot of sense to put it into a staging environment first check that or even send a little bit of your traffic to that staging environment um, and test it with a, a certain subset of users. Um, so that is that is also um, really powerful because um, setting up a staging environment and setting up all of that infrastructure is another headache and another job that you have to do. Um, and there's also CLI support. So there's also um, so you can you can use the Azure CLI to create your cloud resources, but there's also the Azure Static Web App CLI, which helps you with local development, which I'll take you through in a little bit more depth um, later on. I mean, wow, there's there's loads there that you can do that you can do a static web web app. Um, one thing as you're talking, um, it maybe not be about static. Uh, Azure static web apps, but static web apps in general. Um, around that, um, if I if I sort of put my security hat on, um, having content uh, management systems exposed to the internet being compromised, 
and then the website being you know compromised at that point it kind of feels like the static web app uh, providing you know the the bad actor doesn't get access to the the data you know the storage that it's hosted on um or the back end side of things um which probably wouldn't be exposed to the internet directly um i guess it's a slightly more secure way of making sure that site doesn't get compromised and you know random stuff being put on there and and stuff like that as well yeah you, you i think um you definitely get a reduction in attack surface because effectively all that's being presented in the front end is a, a bunch of static resources mm-hmm. so in in terms of a content management system you know uh you know a wordpress driven website let's use that example not that wordpress is inherently unsecure i mean its attack service is insane and the size of it is massive so it is used as a bit of a you know um an example of mismanagement of attack surface right but we'll just use it as an example because it's really popular you know wordpress is 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 very closely linked to your front end so people are actually accessing the same sort of brain that is running your admin as well as running your actual public website whereas what we're doing here is we're taking we're segregating those systems we're sort of saying okay you don't use wordpress anymore you use a git repo and there are even front ends to git repos so you don't actually have to use a git repo if you don't want to i won't go into it because this isn't a <laughs> how to build a static um, web app blog if anybody wants me to explain that on an episode i'm happy to but you're you're taking away you're saying okay what we're going to do is we're going to generate our content put it in a you know somewhere and um, then we're going to serve it to our users we might talk to an api um so there's that to contend with as well, because securing and locking down your API is also a a, a challenge as well. Okay. So what can you do with a static web app? Okay. So um, I think it's worth just talking about that, you know, any large major front end framework, JavaScript framework and libraries, let's use some examples, Angular, React, Svelte, Vue, Blazor, WebAssembly um, can be hosted here. And there is a lot of compatibility with the major frameworks that uh, people might be using. But what's great about it that I think is probably, actually, I I won't talk about the next part. I'm going to pause on that. Um, Because I'm going to talk about it later. Um, But then there's things like, and I've kind of mentioned it before, Gatsby, Hugo, uh, ViewPress, which are like um, static website generators if you're going to create like a blog and and different like that. Um, But what's also great is you can do um, web application frameworks. So things like Next.js and Nuxt.js are like... um, they're, they're, they're like newer types of frameworks that are hybrid um, sort of front end static websites where they actually generate um, like they server side generate HTML. It's, it's, I'm not going to go into it in depth, but they're like a newer, a newer way still to create applications. And they are also supported, um, which is really powerful. So if you've heard, you know, if you've got an application team, let's say your infrastructure, your ops or your DevOps or your sec DevOps, whatever your role is, you got to support your development team. If they're using one of the large frameworks, then you could potentially bring these workloads into Azure 
to manage them if you wanted to. Right? There's there's a lot of coverage there for for large frameworks. Wow. Okay. Yeah, that's definitely a lot you can you can do there. So Okay, so I think you kind of mentioned it, but you know, what is the intended users for Azure static web apps? You know, who's it targeted at? Yeah, so I think um, in smaller teams, it's you know, because in, in very small teams, you would have you know developers who do uh, like full stack developers, which do the development. They also manage the infrastructure. They do the DevOps, and they may even uh, even have DevOps to be honest with you. Um, but then you'll have other teams where you have like um, you know uh, DevOps, Sec DevOps. You'll have um, site reliability SREs. Um, you'll have ops. You'll have infrastructure and and many different people. Um, so if if you're if you're tasked with managing the deployment and hosting of an application, um, and and it fits you know um, the right the technology fits with um, Azure Static Web Apps. Um, this is this is this is for you okay great so with with all sort of um azure capability you know is there multiple SKUs? i'm thinking about you know app service things like that there's loads of different SKUs and scenarios you know is that the same for this okay so what's really interesting about static web apps is there's only two SKUs, um and there is a completely free SKU, which is kind of mental. Right? Sorry, completely free. And I will talk Sorry, to you about. I, yeah. I, I will I'll, let. Let me just talk to you about the free SKU of Azure Static Web Apps. Okay. So on the free SKU, it has one hundred gigabytes per month of included bandwidth for serving your maybe couple of meg static web application you unfortunately can't go over that 100 gigabytes you can apply two custom domains to that web application should you wish you get free ssl certificates you get um free included authentication with the inbuilt authentication in the service you can um, you can store up to half a gigabyte of storage per application. You can also bring in, and I'll talk about this in a bit more depth in a different section. Um, you can include in your application an Azure Function application to run your backend as part of it. So you get all of those features and all the features that I talked about previously completely for free. Sorry, I, 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 it, yeah. I, that and this isn't like a. This isn't like a. You know, f free for thirty days. This is just free. Okay. That's so crazy. For your development environments, all of that sort of stuff, completely free. And we know how much Azure Functions cost, which is effectively, if you're not using them a lot, is effectively nothing. So, that's pretty insane. So then there's standard tier, which is like the next tier on. And that costs, actually, no, I'm not going to tell you the cost. I'm going to tell you all the features and then I'll tell you the cost. So you get included 100 gigabytes of uh, bandwidth. You can then go over that and you're charged um, 16 pence per gigabyte on top of that, which does sound like a lot and it is a lot, but this is just for your, um, 
your static um, uh, files. So to even go over a hundred gig is is a lot of bandwidth for like compressed things. And usually your images are going to be on a CDN anyway if you're an image heavy website. So it's not really going to be a thing. You can have five custom domain names. Get your SSL certificates for free. You can use the inbuilt to find authentication as well. But then you can actually roll your own custom authentication on top of that, if you wish. You get two gig of storage included. You can either use that Azure Function app, which is embedded inside the application, or you can bring your own Azure Function app. So let's say you've got another team that manages your API in Azure Functions. You can then link them together to then get access to that. It also has a service level agreement as well uh, on that. I don't know what the exact service level agreement is, but it does actually have one at that point. So for all of that, you pay a whopping £7.58 per month. Wow. Right. And that's not probably the best part of it that I think. The best part of it is called what they call enterprise-grade edge. So if you are building a large static web website, you would probably use something like the static web app service and then put a full-blown content delivery network in front of it that you can control because there's certain things in a content delivery network that you might need to tune and different things because in content delivery networks, dependent on where in the globe it's being consumed from, there's different payment rates and all sorts of different stuff going on. But what you can do with standard is you can apply enterprise grade edge, which effectively gives you Azure CDN in front of your static web application. So you get global pop locations, you get massive amounts of distribution and, 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 and all of that on top of it. Trust me, I have put Azure CDN in front of a static web app and it is, I'd say relatively simplistic, but you have to go through and manage it yourself. And to add enterprise grade edge, so you paid your £7.50, sorry, £7.53, paid your £7.53, to add enterprise grade edge on top, you're looking at another £14 a month. Now, yeah. It, that seems, yeah, it doesn't seem to, for all that sort of work being done for you, and that the in fact the standard price doesn't seem that bad at all, really. I mean the the free sort of blows you know blows you out the water sort of thing, and then you think, well, actually, if I want an SLA and I need to be enterprise grade, you know, I haven't got to worry about all the other stuff behind it. I mean, yeah, Cause, yeah, because I think what's great about these different two these two different SKUs is that you're not really losing any real functionality, right? With the standard, you're effectively just getting more um, available like resource and the ability to go like global CDN and an SLA. That doesn't stop you building. That doesn't stop you, you know, getting your processes and all of that stuff up together. I personally think the free is very, very, very generous. And then even the standard is. But then again, on the flip side, is a lot of people run like static websites in uh, GitHub pages, um, Cloudflare pages, um, Azure um, AWS storage, uh, S S three buckets, um, Azure storage accounts, um, which cost pennies per month to to actually run. 
So if you wanted to set this all up yourself, you can. You can pay like 20p a month to run your website. Um, I'm personally more of the fan of I'll pay Microsoft £7.50 a month um, and get all of these other features. Um, so, so yeah. Um, and I've seen, it, I've seen it in use. I've used it uh, arguably with Azure CDN in front of it, which we had to configure. But we had like like something like 16,000 concurrent users um, on, on a static web app and absolutely nothing even flinched. You, we had absolutely zero reports of any users. Um, that site also in, uh, used um, uh, Vimeo Enterprise to run all of its, um, all of its uh, video content. That was the only thing that ever had uh, trouble. Um, and that wasn't, I don't really think that was a Vimeo thing. I think that was just the fact that lots of people were streaming video in lots of different internet connections, if if that makes sense. So, um, but um, static web apps. And interestingly, when we ran that website, and this wasn't my call, but static web apps was still in preview. And um, there was only free in preview back then. And um, it just handles it like a complete champ. Like it was, it was unbelievable. Um, that wasn't my call. That was somebody else's call to, 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 to run it like that. Um, so yeah, so I've used it quite a lot. It's, it's, it's a really good system. Well, thanks for the, uh, the real live example as well. So that's, that's very good. So, so what about the back end? You know, how is it, how'd, how'd you get that integrated with, you know, this, this, uh, static web app? Okay, so I think what's what's um, sort of good to point out is is that um, traditionally your front end and back end might be managed um, completely separately, right? So what you might do is you might say, uh, okay, I'm going to run my back end on Azure App Service, and then I'm going to run my front end on a storage a storage account. Um, what this does is 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 bring them together. Um, so if your backend is Azure Functions, which is a very modern way to build an API, um, you can embed it inside of the static web app function, uh, application and solution. So they're both tightly integrated because what, what usually happens is if you want to update your backend, you also need to update your front end at the same time. They're usually deployed in very similar, um, it's probably fairer to say that the front end is updated more than the back end, but they do sometimes have a dependency on themselves to go live. Um, so you can either build your Azure function app and embed it directly in the static web app um, uh, process, um, or you can bring your own. So you can create a Azure function. Maybe you've got an existing Azure function app that you want to consume. But what's also great is it also integrates with other um, API technologies within inside of Azure. So Azure API management, you can link it to that. So if you've got an API that is fronted with API management, um, you can use that as well. Azure app service. So if you've got an API that's actually just run straight in Azure app service, and what's even cooler for me is Azure container apps can be connected to it as well. So what that then means is that you can, um, um, Azure container apps. Have we done an episode on Azure container apps? I don't think we have. Um, but Azure Container Apps allows you to like run containers in like a serverless environment and basically charges you pennies in order to get like full Docker containers um, up and running. So even if um, 
even if Azure Functions is too restrictive for you, because they are quite restrictive, um, you've then got app service and container apps that you can integrate with this. So if you want to write your own ASP.NET backend and upload it to app service, then you can do that. If you've got containers that run your backend, you can upload them to container apps and then you know um, connect them to um, static web apps. So they're kind of getting to the stage now where there's like, they're breaking down all of those reasons not to use it, if if that makes <laughs> sense, because you've got these highly connected um, uh, in, in environments. So so yeah, so they have even though this service is marketed at um, uh, static web applications, they're also catering for sort of backend um, systems as well, because because a lot of systems are driven like that nowadays. Well, the vast majority, I'd say. Okay, so. You, you talked about authentication. Um, can you shed any more light on some of those other bits? Is there anything else you need to add to, to that? So, so what you do? So, inbuilt is um, Azure AD, GitHub, and Twitter. And what they basically give you is a a route inside your application to to forward people to, and it will take over the authentication and give it back to you inside your app. So it's like a slash dot auth slash login slash AAD. You send people to there, it'll give them the AAD prompt to log in, like B to C um, AAD. It, like, I, I suppose it could be straight um, Azure AD as well. Um, and then you'll be returned back with your authenticated um, user session um, after that. Um, and you can configure like the routing, so where people land and, and what happens with, with that as well. And it completely um, handles that um, for you. Um, then you get um, basically get your you basically get your token so you can access like the information about that user. So like in your token, you might you would have like the reference to that user and you might want to go and pick up a user's profile. So there's a there's a slash me. So if you use graph API, it's very similar to graph API. There's a, like a slash me endpoint which gets information about um, about yourself. You can also pass that authentication information back to your function app so that you could use it on the server side as well. So yeah, it's, it's, it's very tightly coupled um, there. Um, and you can then, um, there is also a way to do like a custom authentication as well, but I won't go into that, but there are ways to, to integrate your own um, authentication mechanisms as well, if you want to roll your own. Okay, great. Um... I think you might have mentioned it before, but um, you know, is there any integrations with um, CI/CD solutions like DevOps, things like that? Yeah, so first-party support for um, Azure DevOps and GitHub. Um, obviously, you know, both Microsoft um, entities. Um, there is also ways to um, integrate with Bitbucket and um, GitLab as well. So even if you have got a third-party um, solution like let's say you're using Bitbucket pipelines, um, you you can get integrated as well. I think it's pretty fair to say that that is the the mechanism for deploying these. You know, you are utilizing something like you know, um, let's say Azure DevOps or well, let's call it GitHub as your source of your code, and it will um, those systems do the build if that makes sense. So they will run the processes to actually you know, uh, build your code and get it into a state like a package that can be deployed. And then effectively um, the pipelines then just push it into function apps at that point. 
but that first party integration is like if you if if let's say you're using something like a not a custom framework if you're using something that's just like you know like react or something like that um you can just say i've got a react app and it'll just it'll set up the pipeline for you automatically you don't have to go and build a pipeline or anything it's just auto magic um for you which is again so you, you kind of don't you're utilizing devops and cicd but you don't need to be a devops engineer to get started because it'll kind of just do everything for you um if you're not using more advanced um systems wow okay that sounds pretty cool being a yeah. uh, a new new person to devops and doing uh, trying to work out pipelines and stuff like that um Yes, yeah, I don't sounds... think um, be- because because you also get the same on app service, right? So I used to build a lot on. I never used to build on IaaS. I always used to build on PaaS. So everything I built was app service, um, static web apps, like ev- everything that I you know when we're talking about web, um, and even on app service, you don't build the pipeline. Well, you can build the pipelines, but you just go connect and then it builds, and you're like, mm-hmm. job done. That's why, personally, for me. Microsoft's tooling is super tightly integrated with everything. And that's what they're very good at is giving you that enterprise-y sort of um, experience. Okay. So what happens then if I need to, you know, develop locally, you know, do I need to, or deploy locally, you know, do I need to run my own stack? Do I have to always connect to, you know, the static web app to test code, things like that? Okay. So this is, to me, this is kind of a new thing, right? Because I didn't actually read, because what we do with all of these episodes, even if we've used these technologies a lot, we go and investigate them to make sure that we've got all the latest um, up-to-date stuff. So this isn't something that I've actually personally used before, right? Which I thought when I read it, I was like, where was this a couple of years ago? Because <laughs> this was, this is amazing. So the, um, the, the there's, a, there's a CLI that is available for Azure Static Web App CLI. Um, and what it what it does is it um, is it brings so, so so what you might do is if you created a new static web app locally you you might serve and do your local development with the lo- the the tooling that's provided with that framework. So if you built a um, a React app, you might do like npm start to get it up and running like locally or npm develop or something like that. Um, but that's not really a true representation because if you've got a tight integration in, you know, in your hosting environment between Azure Static Web Apps and also, um, let's say, Azure Functions, you're not going to have that because your systems aren't going to know about that. Um, but what the CLI does is it allows you to effectively bring up your a local static site server and then proxy the front end framework um, into the Azure Functions that are running locally as well. So it'll, it's effectively giving you that tight integration in coupling like you get when you're actually hosting it, but actually locally um, as well. Um, it also gives you a mock authentication or authorization server. Because if you think about it, if you're developing locally, like how do you get a user context? You know, do you have to create like a, you know, a, d- a demo B2C tenant, you know, to, to, to log in and you're completely reliant on the internet then as well. So there's no like offline development capability there as well. So it gives you, gives you that as well. And the routing that you set up. So what can happen is, is if you traditionally create routing in an application, like the navigation in an application, 
um, when you go to use it from like Azure static web apps, um, you, you've got to, you, you can't use that locally because that's actually on Microsoft systems. Um, so sometimes you have to write like hacks to write your own navigation locally. And then when you go to prod, you don't use it, you use theirs. Um, but this actually gives you the ability to do local routing as well. So you, you create all that config and everything you run this CLI and it just like brings up static web apps for you locally and all mocked up for you. So yeah, it's, it's amazing. <laughs> uh, definitely. It, it, it sounds amazing. Yeah. Being able to identify, like you said, actually making a replica of it locally, exactly how it's going to be is, is brilliant without having to make tweaks for it to be local sort of thing is great. Yeah, exactly. And I think what's also really great about it is this, this CLI isn't like linked to one specific um, framework. So like lots of frameworks have their own way of hosting things, but Microsoft is saying, no, actually we'll give you this environment that manages that for you but also integrates with other systems that you're using as well. So it's thinking about the bigger picture than just the one specific technology. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So what about, what about ops? You know, how do we, how do you monitor the application? You know, is there, you know, is it application insights or is there other stuff that you can do to monitor it? Yeah. So, um, so in a, if you're building a static web app, um, you might opt to integrate with like a third-party system. Um, things like Segment um, are, are really popular nowadays. Um, there's there's lots of different like analytics providers for like front-end. But what then kind of happens is, is like Segment, for instance, Segment is like an analytics aggregator. Um, I don't know who it's made by. It's made by a big company. It might be Twilio can't remember maybe a big company but it's great because you can you can basically plumb in multiple analytics sources and then you can route that traffic to elsewhere and do like routing for your analytics um but what you effectively need is you need something like segment to do that ingestion and that aggregation of the data and then you need to put it somewhere so you generally send it to like a mix panel to like view it um or you could just use static web apps, just enable application insights, and you could do that for your front end and your back end, and you'd have all the insights completely there for you automatically. And application insights, from a developer's perspective, is actually really rich in terms of what it outputs. You know, you get um, you get the ability to see, you know, web load times, um, resource utilization. Um, you know, um, first time to bite, um, you know, and analytics of people moving around your systems, you know, um, uh, tracking of uh, applications for your whole stack. So, yeah, so you effectively, <laughs> you just go in. So you, you could integrate with all those third-party systems or you could just go into click on in, the Application Insights Blade, enable it, create a new Application Insights or plumb it into another Application Insights instance and job done. And it just works. So an application insights is massively powerful as well. If you haven't used it and you're a developer, you should definitely use it. If you're, um, if you're in Azure and you're, you're building like, you know, dot, especially .NET experiences, um, it's really feature rich, um, for sure. Cool. Well, I, is there anything else, Sam, that we've missed or anything like that we don't need to talk about cost because you've, 
you did it earlier around the skews, so we haven't got to leave that for our listeners at the end. Yeah, I, I, I don't really have much else to, to talk about. I mean, it's pretty niche in terms of you, you need to be building static web apps or sites in order to use it. If that's not part of your workflow, this isn't going to help you. Um, but if you are, and maybe you're running uh, a more manual setup of DevOps and buckets, or you're using a third-party um, solution, maybe a different cloud, um, and um, you maybe want to bring it in a bit closer to maybe other stuff that you've got running in Azure, maybe that's that, that's part of your organization, uh, definitely check out um, Static Web Apps. It's, it's, it's really powerful. And... Um, it was great even at the start when it was first released, but now it's it's coming on leaps and bounds. They're, they're, they're pouring a lot of effort into it. So, yeah, it's got some great features and functionality. Great. Well, thank you, Sam, for the um, the overview. Um, I don't think there's anything I didn't understand, so I think you did a very good job of that. I didn't ask too many questions outside of the uh, the realms or anything. So, yeah. Thanks. No, absolutely. No, no it's uh, – well, yeah, it's, it's – absolutely fine to ask those questions right because um when you're talking about these sort of developer centric you know uh solutions um it you kind of have to explain like everything around it if that makes sense because if people don't know what a static web app is then they're not even going to understand like you know the value in like a, a solution wrapped around it right so um so yeah so hopefully it was insightful to you and everyone else um so alan uh what's what's on the plan for next week so next week is going to be me talking about private link and private endpoints um you know securing your azure resources so hopefully that will be it's a you know we're using it quite a lot now to you know make sure stuff isn't going over the internet it's going over vnets things like that so we'll we'll talk about that okay great Thanks, Alan. Um, if you've enjoyed this episode, please do consider subscribing if you'd like to listen to more of this sort of content in the future. We have many more topics that we'd like to cover, and your listens and support is what will continue to fuel the podcast going forward. We also have the ability for you to give us some feedback. Did you enjoy this episode? Disagree with our thoughts, or did we miss something? Um, click on the link in our show notes to our contact form and leave us a message, or um give us a voice message in the bottom right corner of our site. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. So yeah, send us a message. Excellent. Thanks, Alan. And um, I'll catch you on the next one. Yes. Thanks, Sam. And uh, thanks everyone for listening. So speak to you next time. Bye.